0: This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. I'm going to end my series this morning. How many of you have enjoyed that series on being pregnant with promise? Amen. I hope the Lord's really spoken to you. We've done three uh, sermons on that, and that, all of that is on the podcast. And if you haven't listened to those, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to those and catch up. But uh, I'm going to end that series today uh, on a message entitled Proclaiming the Promise. Proclaiming the promise, and I just really believe the Lord. I don't have but two. Pa- I don't have but two sheets today. Normally I've got three or four most of the time, so I'm not going to be long-winded today. I don't think, but uh, but I do have a couple of points that I want to uh, that I want to bring out today. I believe the Lord will really speak to you. But let's look at Luke chapter two. I'm going to start reading with verse eight. it Says now there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. Then the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. So it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 17 is really important. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. Father, I ask you this morning in this place, Lord, that you just allow your word that's been anointed by you. God, that you would allow it to penetrate every life in this place this morning, God. Lord, I thank you that it would stir us. Lord, that it would ignite a fire in us, God. And Lord, that it would just transform who we are. For your kingdom God in Jesus name and everyone said amen amen so uh, God's been so good to us amen he's been so good and I want to share just a couple of thoughts uh, about the shepherds today as I close out this series and uh, just a couple of of interesting things I think as I look through this throughout the last couple of weeks that I want you to see and uh, the first thing I want you to see and understand about the shepherds is they were very undervalued and rough around the edges. That's the type folks they were. Uh, shepherds were, you know, we, we, come from, uh, we come from South Louisiana before we came here. We were there five years. And, and uh, I knew a lot of guys that worked in the oil field out in the, uh, out in the Gulf. And, I mean, some of those customers are pretty rough around the edges. I just want to tell you, those those roughnecks, they're kind of rough around the edges. And that's how you can picture these shepherds. These shepherds were rough around the edges, and they were, they were often forgotten about. They were just off in the field somewhere tending sheep. Not a very important job, maybe, by society's standards. But I want you to know that they were diligent at what they were doing. The Bible says, now in the same country there were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And I, I've never really paid attention to that until this week when I read that verse several times. And even though they were undervalued, even though they were rough around the edges, they were diligent at what God had given them to do for that period of time. And I want to tell you something this morning that it's uh, God is able to move in your life and do extra things in your life when you're diligent just at what he's already giving you to do. Have you ever known somebody that nothing's ever quite good enough, and nothing's ever far enough? They can't be diligent at one thing very long, and they're always got to be looking at something else. But I want to tell you this morning, even though what you may what you're doing, you may feel undervalued, you may feel like it's not important, and you may be a little rough around the edges. But if you will just be diligent at what God has given you to do, I want to tell you that that begins to open up access to the kingdom of heaven in your life. Amen. God can do something with diligent people. Talent is not worth anything if you're not diligent. Let me say that again. Talent is worth nothing if you're not diligent. Education is worth nothing if you're not diligent. The shepherds are were diligent. They were keeping watch. They were, with what they had been entrusted to, they were watching over it. And I want to ask you this morning, what has God entrusted to you? In your life, what has God entrusted to you? In your family, in your church, at your job even, what has God entrusted to you don't always be looking off somewhere else for the next best thing if you could just focus in and say god i recognize that you have entrusted me with this task and be diligent at it and god will begin to open up the heavens to you in your life don't focus on what everybody else is doing it doesn't matter who else got a raise and you didn't the main thing listen we 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 are of the kingdom of heaven your boss can't give you the kind of raise that the that the king of all kings can give you, amen? The richest, all the silver and all the gold, the scripture says, are his. Be diligent in what God has given you to do. Don't always focus on everybody else. Being faithful in little sets you up for a divine encounter. I want you to get this. As I begin to just think back throughout scripture, of all the men and women that had divine encounters with the Lord. They weren't people that were very notable. They were just people that were diligent. They were people that stayed the course even if the task ahead of them wasn't something extraordinary. I think about Moses. Moses was called to be a prince. But yet he found himself living on the backside of the desert tending sheep. That's all he was doing was tending sheep. That day after day, night after night, year after year, he just became faithful it where God had him at. And I want to tell you something. God had Moses in the desert tending those sheep because God had great destiny inside of Moses, but God had some things to work out in his life because he wasn't quite mature enough to step in to the greater things that God had. And the same can be true in our life. Sometimes we haven't matured to the place that we can totally care for the best that God has for us. But in this text, we see in in this story of Moses, God kept Moses in that desert tending those sheep for 40 years. But if you read uh, in Exodus, all of a sudden one day, Moses had a divine encounter. Moses had the encounter with God at the burning bush he had an encounter with God being diligent sets you up for a divine encounter I think about David he was another shepherd he was the youngest out of Jesse's boys the one that wasn't even invited to the house when the prophet was looking for a king they said well surely we don't need to invite David because he's the youngest and he's just a shepherd we'll bring all the notable candidates in and oh when the notable candidates came in there was something just stirring inside of Samuel that says I know all of these look good I know all of these may be just right according to man but in my spirit I think there's somebody else and Jesse says well we do have one more Uh, he but he's just a little shepherd boy and Samuel said I tell you you go get him bring him in to the house In the minute he stepped through the door the anointing was placed upon David's life and I want to tell you you may have been living out somewhere where everybody else has forgotten about you but you have never escaped the eye of the Lord when you just become diligent in what God has called you to do I think about Peter Peter was a fisherman that cussed too much. And if the cussing weren't bad enough, he didn't mind cutting your ear off either. He was a rough customer. But yet one day Jesus is walking and he listen, the Lord was so close. To places where men were training to be priests. They were reading the scriptures in the Old Testament text and they understood. They were educated. They had the knowledge. But all of a sudden the Lord's just walking one day and he says, you know what? I think that guy right over there, those two, those three, those twelve, these are the ones that I need. And I can only imagine what people would have thought. That Why would you want them You don't know about them. You don't know how they are. And I want to tell you this morning that God will pick you when you become diligent and what he's called you to. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand how many rough edges I need knocked off of me. I want to tell you, don't worry about knocking those off. God's got a way of sanding off those rough edges as time goes along. As you begin to walk further and further into the things of the Lord, he'll begin to work on you and prepare you for what he's got in store. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says that God has called the foolish, or I'll say the lowly things to confound the wise. Even though society can't understand it, I want to tell you this morning that God will use you when you're diligent. Be diligent in the things of the Lord. The shepherds were diligent. The next thing I want you to see about the shepherds is they weren't controlled by fear. The Bible says... And behold, the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. I want to tell you, when you have an encounter with God like Mary had or like the shepherd's heir, I find it interesting. It's life-changing because the first thing out of an angel's mouth every time, do not fear and I want to tell you when you begin to look for God to do something in your life you don't have to walk in fear amen I want to tell you God has prepared a way for you to achieve what he's called you to do they didn't walk in fear the angel comes and He says, I've got a message for you. There's going to be a Savior born, which means there is a rescuer that's coming. This is the message we're giving you. There's a rescuer that's coming, and I want you to let everybody know that the rescuer is now here. And I want to tell you, we need to learn this morning that we don't need to be fearful in our life because it will keep us from attaining God's best. This is a true story I heard just this week. But there was a pastor that knew of a lady who was having difficulty paying her rent. And he felt he just felt impressed by the Lord to go by and take her the money to pay her rent. So he went to her house. He, her car was in the driveway. The lights were on inside and he knocked on the door. Nobody came to the door. He he knocked on the back door. He he uh, hollered out, say, are, are you home? Nobody would ever come to the door. So he got in his car and he went back home. And several weeks later, he, later, he saw this lady and he said, ma'am, I want, want you to know that I wanted to help you with your rent. I wanted to bless you. He said, I came to your house, but I couldn't get you to the door. And she said, well, what day did you come? And he explained told her when he, he said, I came on Tuesday about 1 o'clock. And she said, I've got a confession to make. I was home. She said, when I heard you knocking and yelling at the door, I thought you were the bill collector. She said, so I hid out on the inside of my house. Folks, I want to tell you, when you operate out of fear, it can keep you from receiving something that God means as a blessing into your life. God wants to bless you. God wants you to recognize that the rescuer has arrived and he wants you to share that story with somebody else. There are so many today that need to hear the story that the rescuer is here. How many of you have somebody in your family this morning that need to be rescued? Maybe the clutches of sin have grasped them. Maybe the clutches of addiction is wrapped around them. But I want to tell you today, there is a rescuer that's in the house. Amen. He was born on Christmas Day, and he's never changed. That's the most amazing thing about God is he doesn't change. Alan, I don't know where you are, but if you can cut the heat back, that would be wonderful. Or you're going to have to get me a swimming pool. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's not in my notes. That was just, that was free. They were able to receive a message from the Lord without fear. You don't have to walk in fear when God's called you to do great things for Him. Don't walk in fear. God has given you the ability to do all that He's called you to do. Some people live a lifetime controlled by fear. And I want to tell you, just as the angel spoke to the shepherds, God is speaking to you today, and He says, Listen, don't fear. Don't fear. Because God has made a way where there seems to be no way. Listen, when God's called you for something, he's going to prepare the way. You don't have to walk in fear. The third thing I want you to see about these shepherds is they didn't they didn't stop just because the music stopped. Listen, it says, And suddenly there was with the angels A multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Verse 15, And so it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, let let me, just so you understand what's going on, the keyboard, he quit playing. Nobody else was left in the room. There wasn't any singing left. The right note wasn't being sung. And it says that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has been told to us. They didn't stop just because the music stopped. It's time for the church to quit stopping when we leave the door and get in our car. It's time for the church to exit this building and get out into the highways and the byways of this area and begin proclaiming the good news of the gospel and letting somebody know there is a rescuer that has come. I want to tell you this morning, there are people on your job, there are people in your family, they don't really realize that there is a rescuer that's come on their behalf And they need somebody to shout it out from the rooftop, from the mountaintop. I love that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Amen. Somebody needs to stand up and tell it that the rescuer, Jesus Christ, has come. Not only has he come, but he died an obedient death unto the cross. And he shed his blood and brought victory for all mankind. I want to tell you, the rescuer is in the house. We've had too many close encounters that haven't been proclaimed. How, much, how often do we really proclaim what God is doing in our life? These shepherds, they, they caught just a glimpse of God's glory. I mean, I think this is a pretty remarkable scene. I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time out in the field. And I'm just going to tell you, I ain't never seen a band of angels saying glory to God in the highest. I mean, I spent a lot of time praying out in the field and I've never seen a scene like this. They had a divine encounter with the Lord. They had a divine encounter with God's glory, with his presence. They couldn't go back to business as usual. Notice they said, well, we better get on back to the... We better get on back to the, to, the, to, the, to the field, to the sheep. This has been real nice. Doesn't that sound just like some church folks today? Oh, come on, y'all, y'all stay with me this morning. We have, a, we have a, a great service. God really ministered to you. It's been so good. It's been real nice. Hallelujah, you, know, you got saved today. It's so good. We're so glad. Just pick it. And then we go back to business as usual. We've had too many encounters with God and we go back to business as usual. But the Bible says that the shepherd said, wait a minute, let us now, let us go and see this thing. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord... He is good, and I want to tell you church, we've got to get to the place in our life that when God does something in a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night service, that we don't just leave saying, man, what a great time it was, but we begin to dig in our heels and we look for more of God that we can sink our teeth into, something that we can hold on to, that we don't go back to business as usual. What happened really to these shepherds? I, I wrote this down. They became contagious Christians. They became contagious. What does contagious means? That you, they were catchy. They were, in other words, you could brush up against them and it would get on you because when you're contagious, it means you can, somebody else can catch something from you. If you look up, Contagious in the Latin, it actually means to touch or to to make contact with, to spread by touching. Verse 17 says this, Now when they had seen him, when they had seen God, they made it widely known the saying which was told to them concerning the child. And all of those who heard it marveled. If you look up that word marveled, it means they stood in wonder and were astonished. And my question to Life Fellowship today is this. Do do people stand in wonder and astonishment at what you're proclaiming about God? When you get into your workplace, do you go in with a grumbly attitude, complaining about this and that and everything else, or do you go in proclaiming the goodness of God. Well, pastor, you don't know what all's happened in my life. I want to got I've got news for you. You don't know what all's happened in my life. I've got a reason I can complain every single day I get up out of the bed, but I've got more of a reason to proclaim God's goodness in my life. And I choose to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. What are people seeing in you? These people that the shepherds ministered to, they were starstruck. They were just astonished. They were astonished at what the shepherds were sharing. And I want to tell you what we need today, we need some contagious Christians. See, we've had a, we've had a brush with the Lord in church. We've had, we've, we, we've had a brushed encounter with God. It, it gets on us but not in us. See when something gets on you, I can wipe it off i can i I can Alan and I were changing some lights this week at the church. we did it all by OSHA standards. I can assure you I hope nobody got video, but going up these light poles in the parking lot, there was a the poles are rusty. Matter of fact, Alan, we need to look into painting those things, but they were rusty. And as I went up that pole, when I got back down, my hand was just a solid, rusty color. And it got ground into my skin. I went in and washed them, and I looked, and I still had a coating of it on there. And it took several times, but eventually I got it off of me because what had taken place is it had gotten on me, but it never got inside of me, so I was able to get it off. But when you're contagious, that means something has gotten in you. It's, it's in your System. In other words, somebody just can't come along and give you a tissue and an aspirin and fix your problem. And I want to tell you what we need today. We need some contagious Christians that are sick and tired of having a brush-up encounter with God, but they desire the fire of the Holy Spirit to be churned again inside of us, and it gets in us where nothing will get it off. You see, we get the life as life goes on. I I want to tell you something about the shepherds. At some point, they had to return to the field with the stinking sheep. What they had to do, they had to go back to their everyday routine. But I believe that they had gotten enough fire of the Lord in them that they didn't go back to business as usual. And it would be nice if we could just all come in here and God move and, I mean, we just got supernaturally fed by the manna of heaven and nobody had to go home, but then all of you would lose your house, you would lose your job. We don't live in a supernatural world. Real life still takes place and if the fire of God doesn't get in you, what happens is that your little brushed encounters with the Lord, everyday life begins to rub it away and rub it off and rub it off. And before you know it, nobody can tell any longer that you've been in contact with the Lord. What we need is Christians that have a divine encounter. And they that make up their mind, this is going to get inside of me. This is going to get in me. It got inside of the shepherds. The Bible says they didn't go just tell two or three people. The Bible says they made it widely known. I want to ask you this morning are you making it widely known the goodness of God? Are you making it widely known that salvation of the Lord? You're making it widely known the restoration of the Father. The shepherds made it widely known. They became contagious. And I want to ask you this morning, are you a contagious Christian? that's 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 a serious question that I'm really asking you. I want you to personalize that. Am I a contagious Christian? Are people able to be around me and sense God's presence in my life. Can they sense the fire of God inside of me? I talked just a couple of Wednesday nights ago about the fire of the Lord a little bit, and that's what's lacking in our church today. We don't have enough Christians that are full of God's fire. We have Christians that say they are full of the Holy Ghost, but we don't see any evidence of fire. We might, listen, if we don't have fire in this church, we, we may as well just be a Catholic church, an Episcopal church, whatever. I'm telling you. We need the fire of God in the Pentecostal church again. We need the fire of God to be churning in the church because that gets inside of people. I want to say fire catches when enough people get on fire, have you ever seen some of these raging wildfires? I, I, I was trying to figure out one time I get I was a kid. It was the first time I ever saw these California wildfires. And I was trying to figure out well how how does that fire cross a paved road and catch everything on fire on the I mean it looks like that would stop it and about that time the news reporter was talking, I can still remember it. He said the heat is so intense that the fire will just jump. And as soon as it gets close, it just jumps across and it ignites the next thing. And church, I want to tell you, it's it's possible. It's possible that the church in America decide that we're going to be so on fire for God again that we get contagious, that we get catchy, that nobody can get around us without them experiencing the fire of God in their life. God wants the fire of God to burn. If you're a contagious Christian, you must have symptoms. Listen, when you go to the doctor and you get diagnosed, it's because, how does a doctor diagnose you? It's because you have certain symptoms. I've got just a couple symptoms that you can evaluate how much fire you have, and how contagious you are, how you, your praise and worship is a symptom of how on fire for God you are. Oh, I, I've seen, I have seen some of you how excited you get when the Redskins are playing. I mean the Cowboys. Sorry about that. I mean the Cowboys. redskins are worse than the cowboys. I know how to, I, I can see the excitement that some people get when they when their guys win in a NASCAR race or their team is about to win. But how much excitement do you have when you come into God's house and you begin to lift up the name above all names? When you begin to lift up that name of Jesus, I want to tell you if you've got the fire of God in your life to the point where you become contagious, you can't stay contained in yourself. It's all you can do to keep yourself together because you want to lift up the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When we were singing, O Holy Night, that verse caught my eye. It says, the thrill of hope as a weary world rejoices. Can I tell you, we are living in a weary, weary world and they need the thrill of hope to be proclaimed that jesus christ is still king that jesus is still lord that the holy spirit is still moving in the lives of his people your praise and worship should be a symptom your focus should be a symptom what are you focused on are you focused on your things more than you focused on god's things the shepherds said, huh, We're leaving here. We're going to start telling people. Their focus was on sharing the gospel. They, they, were the, they, they were the first New Testament evangelist. They said, Our focus has shifted. Oh my God. If we could have a church where people's focus begins to shift off of everything that's consumed your mind and you recognize, Lord, I, I know that you're coming back soon but yet you want to do a work in this last day. Your joy should be a symptom. We live in a in world today where even our folks in the church don't have joy anymore. And I want to tell you, your joy is a symptom of how contagious you can be for God. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand what all I'm dealing with. That's why, listen, your joy can't be in your circumstance. Your, Your joy can't be even in yourself. My joy is in the Lord. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength doesn't say that the joy over my circumstance but the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. Eric if you'd come. What we need in the church today is we look at the life of these shepherds we need to developed the attitude of Jeremiah. Jeremiah had gotten fed up with life. He said, "I'm, I'm tired of even telling these people about the Lord." He said, I, "I'm I'm done." But he's he said, "But I couldn't hold back." Because The fire of God was inside of me. He said, it was actually like fire shut up in my bones. It was like hot ants crawling under his skin. He couldn't hold back. He said, even when I got frustrated, even when I got tired, even when I didn't have any push left, fire of God was stirred in me and I couldn't hold back and I just had to proclaim the goodness of God any preacher in their right mind wants a church to grow and I since I've been here, I've had people tell me, well, Pastor, I so and so used to come here. I've invited them back, and I hope they'll come. And look, I do too. I, listen, I want everybody to be here that's supposed to be here. But can I tell you what God's will is for this church? We probably got a couple hundred people here today, that means we got 200 shepherds. That if not before today, if just today only, you've experienced the presence of God. And for you to begin to go out and proclaim it and make it widely known to people that know nothing about who God is, but you begin to proclaim the goodness of God. I want to see this church fill up. We're gonna, I'm gonna start a new convert, new members' class in February. You know what we need for that? We need some sinners that have been recently saved. We need some we need some drug addicts that, that have been addicted to cocaine. And they may have kicked that and they may be still smoking a joint that they stomp out before they walk in the building, but somebody loves them and says, listen, we want to help you get to the next level. Well, Pastor, what are we going to do if people come in and, they, and they're and they high? We're going we to love high people. because the world doesn't love them. The world's the one feeding them all that poison. The world uses them. But if life fellowship, and I, I really believe this, and I want you to get that. I, I hope anybody that's supposed to be at this church, whether they came here before or not, that's, that's, that's well and good. But I want to tell you, if life fellowship is going to go to the next level it's because we have 200 shepherds in the house that just begin to that they begin to share and evangelize and share and proclaim what god has done in your life when you allow the fire of God in you to get so stirred up that you can't contain yourself on your job, with your family, but you just have to say, I've got to share with you what God wants to do your you. I want this church to be, listen, I, I'm looking around this morning, I want you to think about this for just a second. Now, I don't know how many thousands of people that the shepherds contacted, or how many hundreds, but if every person in this place this morning this, over this next week would make it widely known the goodness of God we wouldn't be able to sit everybody in the house in two weeks time we we we're over half full we couldn't sit everybody if you would just proclaim the promise of God in your life the promise of jesus listen over every promise he can give you he may give you a promise of prosperity promise of a new job promise of a new uh, a car i don't care what he can promise of a new ministry whatever but i want to tell you the best promise that you and i have, have ever received or will receive is the promise of the saving grace of jesus christ the rescuer the rescuer is in the house. The rescuer is in the house. Look, we can have we can have Holy Ghost prayer fire tunnels on the front row. I could preach on the fire of God the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all powerful points of the Gospel and the works of the Lord. But if we don't have people to proclaim it, listen to me, church. Without people to proclaim it, we just become contained right here. We become contained right here. And I want, I'm believing that in 2020, as we close out this year, as we look at the life of these men, I'm believing that we're gonna have a church that's gonna start proclaiming they're going to start proclaiming the gospel. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphearst.org. Thank you and God bless and yeah.